quick question. I want you to take a moment and picture where in your house or studio you keep all of your old school books, notebooks or binders, and even your professional magazines. How many binders of class syllabi and notes have you held on to? How many magazine holders are stuffed to the T with publications from 20 years ago? I'll give you a minute to consider while I introduce myself. I'm Amy Chaplin, host of this podcast and a piano teacher with a natural inclination toward tidiness and organization. Now, I wouldn't call myself totally OCD. I do like things in order, but I also live realistically, which is why I feel totally qualified to weigh in on the topic frequently. Speaking of weighing in, weight is a word that comes to mind when I think of all the stuff we hang on to for years and years, just in case. Growing up, I can't tell you how many times I heard my mom say, If I haven't used it in a year or two, it's gone. She was all about purging on a regular basis. It's no wonder Marie Kondo and minimalists like Joshua Becker have risen to fame. We Americans are good at having a lot of stuff, even if it's stuff we rarely, if ever, use. Okay, now back to those notebooks and magazines. I want you to now consider how often you reference them. How many times have you gone back to find that excellent article from Marvin Blickenstaff in AMT from 2005, or looked through your notes on Baroque period music from music history class? Hmm? How many? (laughs) I'm not trying to make you feel guilty here. I just want you to consider how much these things are adding to your life right now, and if the weight of them being there is greater than their contribution. Wow, I really like that. Let me just say that one more time. Consider how much these things are adding to your life right now, and if the weight of them being there is greater than their contribution. I think that there's something we can do about it, and I don't mean just dumping it all. See, I'm practical. Thanks for listening in to episode 71 of the Piano Pantry podcast. Have you planned any professional development for the summer months? Are you interested in group teaching? Group Illuminated might be just what you need. While most conferences offer sessions on group teaching, never before have I seen an entire conference dedicated to the topic. You'll hear from some real superstars in this realm. Visit groupilluminated.com to register for this flexible online conference that gives you access to all the content for two entire months so you can consume as your summer allows. Use the code AMY50, that's A-M-Y-5-0, to get $50 off your registration. All right, so let's dive into the last of our three-part purge series. If you're new around here, or if you were too crazy busy this past month to listen in, jump back and listen to episode 68, where we talk about purging teaching resources like games and free downloads, and episode 69, where we talk about purging sheet music. This episode was actually inspired by a blog post I wrote a couple of years ago when a friend of mine, Christina Whitlock of the Beyond Measure podcast, contacted me asking for advice. Now, I'm sure she doesn't mind me calling her out. Here's what she said to me. I have these enormous binders from college many years ago. I know I need to toss a lot of it, but there are definitely resources in there I don't want to get rid of and would love to make more easily accessible to review. Any advice? So I gave her a reply and then shared that reply as a blog post. 
Funnily enough, at that time, I had just went through the process of purging piles of professional magazines that I had been holding on to for 10 years, both MTNA's American Music Teacher AMT magazine and the Piano magazine, which has had a variety of names over the years. I think back in the day when I first started subscribing, it was Clavier Companion, but I can't remember for sure. Anyway, when I thought about this purge series for the podcast, I definitely had to include this topic. Even more so than our resources in sheet music, all of our college notebooks and professional magazines are not something that we likely reference as part of our daily workflow. They're probably on a shelf in a dark corner of your office or hold up in a plastic tub somewhere. There's two reasons I think we hold on to these things. One, we paid a heck of a lot of money for it and we want to get it for all it's worth. Two, we think we may want to reference it someday or go back and reread an article that struck us. If you are someone who is using all of these things, I absolutely applaud you. Good for you. The question is, is if we're not using them, then are they really serving us or are they just weighing us down? Maybe it's not weighing you down and it doesn't bother you that these items take up two feet of your shelf space. All right, cool. Then go ahead and fast forward to the tiny tip at the end of this podcast. Good for you. But there's something to be said about releasing ourselves from these things that may have served us in the past, but are not part of our present and will not be needed in the future, likely. Are you ready? All right, so here's a process you can use. First, set a time frame for yourself that feels achievable and not overwhelming. So for you, maybe you need to only allow yourself a total of two hours for the entire project. And whenever your time is up, it's up. Maybe you prefer to set a goal of 30 minutes a day for the next week or however long it takes for you to finish it. Just whatever works for you. When I was sorting through my boxes of magazines, I did it in the wintertime and I set one stack at a time next to the couch. So either first thing in the morning during my brief quiet reading time or at the end of the day's downtime, I would flip through one or two magazines, so I just did a little bit at a time. I remember being actually surprised about how much I remembered, like which articles I enjoyed and found beneficial, even if it was a magazine I hadn't read for years. Of course, it helped that I folded down the pages of my favorite articles the first time as well. Whether you're going through notes from old college classes or stacks of magazines like I did, Make a quick decision if whatever article or pages of notes that you're looking at is something that you would find useful even at this moment or in the near future. And once you decide if you're going to keep it, don't just put them back where they were, but consider how you would be more apt to utilize that information now or in the future better than you have in the past 10 years or however long you've had it. Find a way of incorporating the information into the way that you work today. Maybe it's keeping it just more within reach with other resources. So rather than putting it in a tub, you put it on the shelf next to where you work. Maybe it's just taking it out of paper folders and putting it into a three ring binder sleeve and sleeve covers so that you're more apt to flip through it. Or maybe like me, it's converting it to digital format. If you're still a hard copy person, which I understand, sometimes out of sight, out of mind can be difficult, <laughs> just make sure that you have things clearly labeled and easily searchable. So maybe that could just be adding labels to binder spines or including dividers with descriptors. So much of what we do now is entirely digital, though. Maybe it is time to make the switch. Besides removing items from your physical space, the beauty of moving old notes and such to digital format is that... If you set it up right, you can procure 
all you have on whatever topic you're, you're looking for with just a simple keyword search. There are two places really that you can move things to digitally. You can move them into either just your basic document storage or into an information management program such as Evernote. While you can totally use document storage, you will have even stronger search powers and thus future recall if you use a program like Evernote. I have always used it as my digital filing cabinet. Even though I now use Notion for organizing my life and daily workflow, I still prefer to use Evernote for capturing information. I like to use the term daily capture and save in my online organization course. So turning your hard copy class notes and articles into digital format is really easy these days with your mobile device. No longer do we have to scan one page at a time to a USB drive onto our computer with our printers. This is way faster. My favorite scanning app is Genius Scan, but you can also use Scannable, which is by Evernote, or any other scanning app. It will then turn that scan into a PDF document, and you can send it wherever you want, into your document storage or into an app like Evernote. If you've never done this before, what you'll do is you'll scan one page at a time, but you'll want to scan all the pages that you want in the same document one after the other before hitting finish and hitting the share button to send it into whatever program you want. When saving digital files, it's always important that you title them in a way that you might search for them. So if you know it's an article that you will remember that was written by a particular person, then be sure and include the author's name in the file name. If you know you would search for the article based on the fact that it's about technique, then be sure and include the word technique in the file name. Remember that saving articles digitally will not do you any more good than the physical ones if you don't make them easily accessible and thus easily searchable. Here's my big pro-level tip. If you're saving articles from magazines, be sure and scan the magazine cover so you know where it comes from. This is especially important for any future referencing you might want to do in articles or presentations of your own. I will give one final bit of advice for why I like using a program like Evernote more so than just a document manager. If you have the paid version, you will get a feature that can search text inside of images, docs, and PDFs. This includes your own handwriting. So it will be able to read your handwritten notes with keyword searches. It's pretty amazing. Your documents manager, however, the search function does not search inside of documents. It only searches the file name. Lastly, don't be afraid of the trash. Release and let go. It's sweet relief. <laughs> As we wrap up this final episode in the Purge series, if you want to have a good reason to keep up with all your organization momentum, keep an ear out for the upcoming summer session of my digital organization coaching series, where I walk you through a step-by-step -step process and mindset practices for getting your email inbox, media, document storage, and more under control. Details are in the show notes. Now, jump into your calendar and book a time slot for yourself this week to start digging into all those old class notebooks and magazines that are gathering dust. As usual, today I have a tiny tip for you. Do you teach five finger patterns and chords? Do you always start with C? What if you would start with F instead? Here's why I say this. 
First, it gets students used to black keys being included right away. Second, it allows you to make connections to the circle of fifths continually. So, rather than randomly starting on C and then going to G and then F, or C and then F and then G, you can begin on F and then you go to C, the dominant, and then to G, its dominant. Once you've done the three snowman major chords, you can then go into the hamburger ones, the white, black, white ones, D, A, and E. From there, into the two, um, into two of the three oddball chord ones, B and F sharp. Then to the three ice cream sandwich chords, the black, white, black, D flat, A flat, E flat, and finally the last oddball, B flat. So that would be if you taught them entirely in the circle of fifths. Now, you could also just do it in the order of the groups of the chords. So you could do F, C, and G, then D, A, and E, and then rather than continuing in the circle of fifths, you would just go to the opposite of the hamburgers, the ice cream sandwiches, D flat, A flat, E flat. And then within each of these, you can still continue to refer to tonic and dominant within each other. And then finally, the oddballs, B flat, B and F sharp. It's just nice to take any chance that we can to make connections to tonic and dominant and the circle of fifths with students. At least then, like I said before, you're not just randomly doing C and then F then G, you can make connections. Once again, um, just a little tiny tip for me. By the way, uh, the reference to the snowman, hamburger, ice cream sandwich, and oddball cord idea is not for me. It came originally from, that I know of at least, from TCW Three Cranky Women Resources, produced by Chos. You could check out their Flashy Fingers card game for more on that. And no, this wasn't a paid ad, just a tip from me. Enjoy your start of summer.